0: I think at one point we counted, I think we stopped at like 800 overnight guests in like the 50 years that they've lived in the house. So whether it was cousins coming over for the summer or, you know, any one of our friends, we had basketball teams sleeping over, um, you named it. And so my parents were very missionary. They really, I mean, they, I don't think we would have called it that, but that's exactly what they were. Welcome to another episode of Open Door Policy.
1: I'm your co-host, Emily Mentock, and I'm super excited to be joined today by my other co-host,
2: Father Patrick Gagno. good morning, Emily. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Father Patrick. How are you?
2: Doing wonderful. And to all those who are listening, we pray you're doing wonderful. And for those who are first time listeners, welcome aboard. For those who've been repeat listeners, our repeat listeners, you guys probably have picked up like Emily and I and our guests always operate really spontaneous. Like you yes. don't know what's coming. We just want to be open to the Holy Spirit. So, toward that end, Emily, I wanted to surprise you, hope it's a good surprise. So following up on the last episode, you had given a little breakdown about your trip to Rome and some of the amazing graces with St. Aloysius praying at his, at his tomb and St. Paul outside the walls and then meeting Pope Francis. I wanted to circle back and ask you today, just to catch up and a little bit of sharing, what are some of your favorite aspects of St. Paul? It's clear you have an incredible love of St. Paul. So it's an open-ended question. Ready? Go.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah, St. Paul, my fave. So I would say that, um, he never stopped being grateful for that ultimate wow. gift of his faith in his wow. life. So it was like, one of the things I love about his writing. I mean, I guess we'll never know him in real life, but he's the same. So, and you mm. see it in his writing that like constantly he is pointing back to that, who he is. This is actually in like the, um, well, I'm going to sound like such a nerd right now but this it's was not. in the readings for the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time I think right it was, about he's like oh yeah like and I've worked and toiled to become this person mm. but actually mm. it was God who worked in me like mm. his writing on grace my favorite my Whoa. favorite book of the Bible is Romans eight, because I took this one mm-hmm. class at Notre Dame. That was all about the theology of grace Amazing. that put my own conversion in a new light. So St. Paul being like as great as he is. And I admire so much the work he did evangelizing all his yeah. writing, like just living his life. But every moment he pointed it back to like, God reached out to me, gave me my faith, faith as a gift. And like, that is, I hope that I can always do that with mine, you know? <laughs>
2: Incredible. And yeah. with St. Paul, Romans chapter eight, one of the most famous verses of scripture. And I, as a priest, it's come up so many times in counseling people, Romans eight twenty eight that God makes all things work for the good of those who love him, that even yeah. the bad stuff that happens, he weaves together when it's put into his hands. And that is a mighty grace. Thanks a lot, Emily, for your spontaneous response about St. Paul. Thank you, Father Patrick. I would love mm-hmm. to hear uh, do you have a favorite saint
1: who's your like saint? I'm sure you have many, but do you have one that stands out to you that's like kind of well, your go-to?
2: If I could, um that's the teapot in the background, everybody. yay, for tea. Yeah. so <laughs> uh, it's 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 I'm everybody says this it's it's Mother Mary. I absolutely love Mary and uh, and then uh, St. Joseph, of course, and St. Therese of Lisieux, but if I could share one little insight from a saint that's been on my heart lately, and I, I want to offer this for the listeners. Oh, there's gold right out of the gate, and then we're going to jump in and have a blast. With <laughs> you, you guys already saw the picture, so we don't have to hide our host anymore. It's Eileen, but um, St. Saint Joseph. St. Saint Joseph was a man who, he he didn't speak, we didn't hear any words from him in scripture, but dreams, dreams, Guide. there were some important dreams that he had, and in my own walk with the Lord, um, dreams have played an important role in, in my call to the priesthood. And so in the last couple of years, I felt I've really experienced in my walk, a renewed uh, devotion to, to go to sleep. Well, like, you know, like you end the day well, you'll wake up better. Sometimes we carry the stress, and anxiety of the day and we stay up and we try to divert ourselves. by watching too much Michigan State basketball or whatever. <laughs> and uh, but going to bed prayerfully and asking Jesus, please speak to me in my dreams, minister to me in my dreams. And it's not every night, but but there are really wonderful things that will happen where he'll give me a solution or he'll ease my heart about something. So uh, St. Joseph, I ask through your intercession that all of our listeners out there, when they go to bed, they would be open to saying, Jesus, most blessed Trinity, please speak to me in my dreams. Speak to me in my dreams. And Lord, we ask that you release dreams over people as they sleep. We spend a lot of our life asleep. We may as well receive revelation and communication from God that brings transformation into our lives. So Lord, through the intercession of St. Joseph, we ask for a release of dreams over our listeners while they sleep. And through the intercession of St. Paul, that all things will work together for the, the good of those who love God. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, Emily, that was quite an introduction. That was like, be like our you? best
1: start ever. This is going to be really? a great episode. It's like
2: 14 <laughs> minutes. Our guest comes on and they're like, come on. Not just that was kidding. so
1: fun. Well, I am excited to introduce our guest today. Um, So it's Eileen Newell. we're so excited that she has made the time to join us. And I want to share three fun facts so that our audience can kind of get to know her a little bit before we dive into her. Just incredible story of how God has blessed her throughout her life. So the first one is... All four of her grandparents were born in the 1800s, combining for 102 grandchildren. So Eileen has 96 first cousins, and I've met a lot of big families, you know, throughout my life being Catholic world, but that is truly incredible to have that many first cousins. Mm-hmm what a gift um I love my cousin so <laughs> uh her second fact is that she has traveled to 40 countries by her 40th birthday and Whoa. she has been to mass in 16 different languages so talk wow. about a perspective of just the universality of the church that is incredible mm-hmm. um and then final fact a little more local during winter snowstorms she cross country skis uh wow. down woodward and other streets of Detroit so if we get a big heavy snow she can find Eileen on her skis right downtown. <laughs> Awesome. So, without further ado, Eileen, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Father Patrick. Thank you for having me on. It's it's truly a, a blessing to be able to uh, enter into your vineyards, the vineyards of the church, and, and see all the work that you guys are doing. And, and firsthand participating with you, so I'm very excited to be here. Thank you.
2: I Have you? Hey, take us a little take us back to to childhood. Were those out? Uh, were those four grandparents? Like, did you get to? cross paths with them some or you know in this huge beautiful family take us into that background
0: no absolutely so uh they're irish um mm. and my grandfathers had passed away before i was born um mm. i was able to actually head to ireland when i was two mm. uh to meet my my granny my, my maternal grandmother uh, my dad's mother was born in belfast um, and eventually came to the u.s after going to england for a bit um and so um she married or she met my grandfather here and, and they've um, raised their family in Detroit. Um, and so she was around, she was 80 when I was born and passed away, uh, when I was in my early teens. Um, so I did get to know her, um, and be able to experience, uh, you know, her faith, which was, which was very interesting, right? So growing up in Belfast, wow. um, you know, uh, during the Irish War for Independence and, and, you know, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather would have fought in the Irish War for Independence and, wow. Uh, you know, mm. my, my grandmother from Belfast uh, would have experienced uh, firsthand the Catholic Protestant, um, you know, the, uh, the the neighborhood, right, and, and growing up um, in an environment where, um, you know, it, you were tested uh, truly on, on your faith and what it meant.
1: So uh, tell us more. Yeah. About your, what was your experience like growing up with those Irish Catholic roots? Um, where did you go to school? You know, you've always been, I think in the Detroit area. So we'd love to hear more about mm. your faith growing up through, whether through their example, or maybe also yeah, your Yeah, well,
0: actually so, right. So I grew up in, uh, Allen park. So I went to Cabrini. Um, that was my home parish still is my oh. parish to this day. Um, and, wow, so awesome. Um, you know, it was, it was through my parents, right. That, that I can say that I love the father first, um, you know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, it wasn't, I really couldn't explain that it was Christ, right. Or Christ and using my parents, right. To be instruments of grace, to show me, right. The father. Um, but as a kid, when you think about your wow. first prayers, the very first one you learn is the, our father, right. And you can, yes. right. Yeah, you connect right <laughs> to the father. Right. And then you go the hail Mary and the glory be. Um, and so you throw wow. a little St. Patrick in there and I had a very you know, you know, <laughs> the Trinity right was was very much, you know from from the early days right of, of my faith was, was so important to me. Um, my parents were absolutely instrumental. Um, my father was a healer, right. He was a doctor. Um, wow. And he ran a practice in Taylor and worked in the hospitals downriver. Um, but he would be the one that never turned away anyone. right. So this is before urgent care has existed. Wow. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, women who didn't have health insurance were delivering babies in his office. Um, he would stop at the, mm. you know, the police station and sew up, you know, or, or, you know, treat any of the guys that were being detained, you know, and helping out the police officers. Um, you know, even our house, he had you answered the phone, right? Because, you know, he made sure our number wow. was public and our address was out there. So you'd have patients calling, um, you know, who were sick and and we got to participate in his vocation at a very early wow. age, right? And quite often the first room, the first bedroom in the house turned into, a, turned into a clinic room when the door, you know, someone knocked on the door and, you know, and we knew Let house calls were, you know, were, were real things. When the phone rang, dad could be out the door at any minute. And if you're lucky, you got to go with him um, and to be able to see him, wow. you know, actually do what God called him to do. Right. We got to see wow. him be a husband. We got to see him be a father, um, mm-hmm. but we also got to see him truly, you know, be a healer. And Sirach 38, right, talks about the importance of doctors, Amen. which is like you know, he Come passed on. away in October, and that we actually use that as his first reading and as, as his funeral. And it summed up my dad's vocation that we all got to see. Um, mom is just as instrumental, wow. right? Her charism's hospitality, mm. um, right? And so mm. to invite people into the home. And I think at one point we counted, I think we stopped at like 800 overnight guests in like the 50 years that they've oh. lived in the house. <laughs> that's so whether incredible. it was cousins coming over for the summer or you know any one of our friends, we had basketball teams sleeping over, um, you named it. And so my parents oh my. were very missionary. They really I mean, they, I don't think we would have called it that, but that's exactly what they were, right? And they taught us to go out into the world. Um, and Dad's great commission was always say your prayers and go to mass um, when I, whenever he sent I us it. out. Uh, but they also they also taught us to invite people home. Right, and so mm. to bring a, to bring them into the home, um, and so everything was centered around faith um, and, and who we were. But it was it was definitely very missionary, um, and so it's their faith that was really my foundation. Right, and you and you do that as a child, wow. right? You 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 need that support system. You need that you know the you know the ground floor that you can build off of, and eventually as you grow into your own, it becomes the fine buttresses that hold you up or training wheels. Um, and I don't think we actually ever truly get rid of that, you know, the way that we always rely on other people who are, we're going through storms. Um, so connected, you know, always. very much. So very much. So, so my parents were instrumental, but, um, you know, I, I was really, I was really blessed to have people in my life, my godparents, right. Um, the clergy at school, the sisters, wow. right. My own siblings, right. I'm the youngest of, of the mm. six. So being able to watch all of them do their journey and really understand where they were going through faith. But was a big piece. Um wow. so The next, the next connector for me, right then, is the reason, right? So faith and reason, the two mm-hmm. wings that we Amen. that we, you know, that yeah. we look to to seek truth. You know, that's what John Paul II teaches us, right? And yeah. so I'm a thinker, right? So it was it was one of those okay. things where whether it was spending summers in Ireland, okay. um, and you think mm. about St. Patrick being, you know, we're we're heading into March, right? And so. And uh, yeah. St. Patrick is, you know, was a key player in looking at what it means to be a joyful missionary disciple. There's oh, a,
2: yeah, he went, can you believe he went back? Can <laughs> you believe he went back after he escaped? I'd be like, oh, Lord, Lord, please, can I go to somewhere right. else? Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are crazy over and crazy.
0: there. crazy. <laughs> well, Ireland wasn't ever actually part of the Roman Empire. Right. And so when you think about everywhere from, you know, Jerusalem and where Paul traveled and mm-hmm. up to England, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody was part of the Roman Empire. Ireland was the barbarians, right? Even the Roman Empire right. didn't venture there yet. Uh, you know, right. yet Patrick did. So.
2: <laughs> hey, I want to get two follow-ups with you, Eileen. So two-part question um, from, from these beautiful days of upbringing. The first one from CR38, it's a dad question about your dad. Um, and the second one is about your encounters with Jesus as a child. So the first question is uh, from Psalm 38, I, not Psalm, Sirach 38. I love that chapter. And where we're here. Give the doctor his place, lest he leave you, for you need him too. Verse 13. There are times that give him an advantage, and he too beseeches God that his diagnosis may be correct. Sirach 38 describes, as you know, and his treatment bring about a cure, a praying doctor. So the two questions. One is. Can you remember a time witnessing your dad in his, in his life as a doctor, a specific example? It's okay if not. He prayed all the time. But uh, one of the moving experiences of like, man, dad was a doctor, and he, he asked the Lord to get in on this and to, to bring the healing. The second was, is there, from your childhood, one of your favorite moments of faith and encounter with Jesus that, that comes to the surface when you think about those golden days of faith that have led you to be the woman you are now?
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, dad... He, he had a prayer life, right? That was his commission, right? To, to yeah. you know, say your prayers, right? And so whether, you know, for us, you know, putting us to bed tonight, he would come in and pray with us, um, you mm. know, but even even out in the fields, right? So healing and hope, they go together, right? And they're all focused around, right? The, the mission towards God. Um, and so, there, I mean, there was times, you know, he would come into my high school morality class, right? And tell stories of his, his different awesome. patients, right? And how he viewed, right? How God worked in those in those scenarios, right? And how they played out. Um, so it was definitely an, a huge aspect of his life, right? It was was the prayer piece and knowing that, you know, in our humanity, right? In our weakness, um, and we're all prone to make, to make mistakes and we're prone to make failures. Um, is that you need god right you need his grace that if you're going to be in his instrument right you have to to pray to get out of the way and let him do his work
2: mm-hmm. so good now how about you as a child <laughs> like first communion or a moment that just like you look back and like man god really got me there
0: so my and this is kind of where the thinker reason comes in right it was for me it was mm-hmm. really one of right kind of putting all the pieces of the puzzle together Um, you know, there, there was, um, in, in talking with my father, for example, I think one of the biggest, the biggest fights we gotten was, was over the apostolic nature of St. Paul. Right. And so I was 12, right? Yeah. 12, 13, I was in junior high and I was like, I I, I battled him. I'm like, he wasn't one of the 12. Right. And he was like, you know, and so we talked about what, what it meant to be an apostle, and coming out of mm-hmm. it, um, you know, I, I learned apostolic succession, right? And the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, we think of, of St. Paul going to, right, the church in Corinth, the, the church in Thessalonia, mm-hmm. and, and Luke and Acts speaks of the, you know, the, the church in Jerusalem, right? Well, we're the church of Detroit. Mm-hmm. We have an apostle here, mm-hmm. right? We have the fullness yeah. of Christ's priesthood. Um, and so really mm-hmm. understanding, like, the, the, the trueneth, uh, trueness of the faith. And that was actually a big piece going back to, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of Belfast, right? And when I was growing up, understanding the difference between Catholics and Protestants, um, knowing, and we spent a lot of time talking, I mean, talking about, um, you know, the role of the papacy and the importance of the apostles, Mm -hmm. um, understanding the role Mm -hmm. of Mary and the Eucharist. Um, And so it it was very, it was very academic in a lot of ways. And so you'd pick Mm -hmm. up different pieces of the puzzle. Right. And then of course you're growing in a mm-hmm. world in a secular world and, and and society's filling in between. And you know, at some point you kind of have to ask your philosophical question, wow. right? Of mm-hmm. you know, who am I and where does this come from? And there's a great Australian group called The Water Boys. And they mm-hmm. see the song came out in the late 80s, early 90s. It hit the the Irish charts, the English charts, and it's called Hole of the Moon. And the story actually goes on mm-hmm. about um it actually goes on about like I see the crescent, but you see the whole of the moon. I was dumbfounded wow. by truth, and you cut through lies. Um, and it, it's it's not theological; wow. it's philosophical. And later on, the the lead singer said that he actually C.S. Lewis was one of one of his inspirations. Right? Wow. And there were others, um, so it was not about a particular person. But it caused me mm-hmm. to sit back and ask: Am I looking at a crescent, or am I seeing the whole of the moon? Right? Mm -hmm. And so that's when you start, all right, here's where the pieces of the puzzle, you know, start coming together. Um, I would say Mm -hmm. it was probably college was really the first time where, you know, some of the real deeper questions start, I started diving into and started getting it out of experience.
1: Yeah. It sounds it's growing up with such a rich faith tradition around you from your parents, your grandparents, and in in your community at Cabrini, um, you know, so you had these beautiful examples, but then you're starting to tell the part of your story where you are kind of making that faith your own, you know, some people, they, they don't grow up with faith surrounded by them. So they kind of have to kind of, they encounter it in a different way later, you being surrounded by this beautiful example of faith, but then you still have to have that moment of choosing, um, to make it your own as you get older. And you said, like, Oh, for you personally, and we've, we've heard on this podcast, you know, so many people encounter like Jesus in different ways. And for you, it was really thinking through those things and marrying that to the faith tradition that you saw modeled, uh, like by the people in your life. Um, one of the questions that I had is, okay, well, then what, where did you start to turn, You know, as you're, mm. you're choosing to make it your own, you're asking questions, like you said, um, did, were there books? Did you go to scripture? Did you go to the catechism sort of, where did you turn to, to start finding those answers Mm. to grow in faith as you're kind of making it your own deepening the, like beyond just what you were raised with?
0: Um, you know, absolutely. Right. I mean, I had incredible, um, associate pastors when I was growing up. Right. And so, um, being able to ask questions and, um, understanding like salvation history. Um, I had an incredible high school religion teacher, right, that taught Old Testaments and sacraments. Um, and where you we actually dove through the, you know, right, the the Eucharistic prayers, right? And the epic, you know, the oh, Epiclesis I'm jealous. The, I wish the I knew the Eucharistic that. <laughs> prayers. I mean, it was I was a sophomore in high school diving into this, right? So it was all these and it, it was all these pieces. And you know when you work on a piece piece of the puzzle, right? And you start you get the frame and you're kind of kicking the tires on the frame, right? And you're asking the questions and you, uh, you start seeing, okay, this is where, you know, this part of the piece of the puzzle is coming together. This is what this picture looks like. And then this, oh yeah, we got the lake over here, we got the trees over here, and they're starting to make more of the scenery. Well, for me, it was really, okay, where were these gaps, you know, that that I was missing? And one big piece for me was really suffering. Um, I grew up in, you know, the, the life that I grew up, and I was really blessed, right? Um, and so mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand suffering, right? And to actually really connect with Christ in the way that, you know, mm. scripture has called us to be was an area I had to personally dive into. Mm-hmm. And I, I could find Christ in other people, right? That was a mm. very real experience for me, right? So obviously my parents mm-hmm. and, and a whole other people. So when I was a when I was in college, I actually went down to, so this is in the middle of the 90s, right? So the end of the mm-hmm. Civil War, and I went down to El Salvador. Um, wow. And so I spent, you know, 10 days um, you know in El Salvador getting to know the El Salvadorian mm. people. And the first four days, you know, we actually got in the car and we went out to where uh, the four women um they you know were actually buried. Um so Ida Clark and more uh Mora Ford were buried. Mm. And and then we stayed in a in a village and I stayed with the family, right? That, you know, it was the first time that I really took myself out of you know, the, the Western world, right. And really dove into people Mm. who, you know, in the eyes of, you know, in my eyes had nothing. And then when I got Mm. there, I realized they had everything, right. They had went through suffering yet there was this profound joy that existed in them, right. They had just ended 12 years of, you know, of a civil war, but to get to know these people, to get to know these kids that were playing and the smiles on their faces and their love for Christ, Mm. Um, it created a whole new sign of of what suffering is called, you know, like what we're called to do and find joy in suffering. It's not happy, right? It's that deep finding of Christ and knowing that you can rest in it.
2: It's so good, Eileen. And when you started, when we started the conversation, you you said a quote from like, when you were little, it was beautiful. You said, I loved the father. I love the father. And then to see the the reason, the faith and reason, the two wings, uh, you know, I need to take off. I just want to read a quick quote from Brother Lawrence. He said, the more we know, it's just, I, you were speaking. I was like, man, that sounds so familiar. Like a great quote, like the more I know him, the more I love him, the more I want. Here he is. The more we know him, the more we will desire to know him. As love increases with knowledge, the more we know God, the more we will truly love him. We will learn to love him equally in times of distress or in times of great joy. And I love how you're putting together like my growth in the Lord, like there was something that needed to happen to understand suffering as well. What a beautiful whole faith that the Lord has blessed you with that you've pursued and cooperated with Eileen. So bring us into the moment. How are you, what are your, what is the Lord doing? You're always doing a million things. It seems like, but what, (laughs) what is the Lord doing right now in your life to lead you to bring it to the world?
0: Um, So it's, you know, it's, I almost want to say that every day is a different day, right? So, so one of the things that, you know, as I was growing up, I learned a lot about was, right, the liturgy. I, I was an altar server, one of the kind of the first, awesome. the first error of it. And uh, the, the, the priest that um, was training us, right, had us draw salvation history on the board, right? And it was the first time that you kind of actually put all those pieces of the puzzle together, right? So he had to throw Bible stories up there. And so he took that in a timeline, the way you would in the history class. And then he outlined the liturgy, right? Of mm-hmm. how the liturgy um, impact, you know, how the liturgy correspond with salvation history, obviously, okay. with the, you know, right? With the big emphasis on what was happening with, um, you know, the, you know the, the Eucharistic prayer, right? And where that fit in, into in Christ's suffering, right? And his, you know, passion, death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. But he also then took the liturgical seasons, Mm -hmm. right and planted those out in 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 salvation history and that actually i never realized it but it actually Ah. very much impacted my spirituality right right? of what i do every day and so every day i wake up in advent right Mm. and so Ah. i'm waiting for christ to tell me what the day has in store right and at some point he reveals himself his incarnation comes to life in my life Right. And there's times where we're walking through ministry with them and then there's moments of Lent. But at the end of the day, you're going to find the resurrection, hey. you know, and so that applies in the day, whether it's in a project at work, whether it's in, you know, something that we're trying to, to you know, some mission of the church. Right. And to you know, to view life in versions of the liturgical season is to walk in Christ's life. Right. So and and how he actually you know, comes to life in every day. So every day Mm -hmm. I wake up in Advent. Mm -hmm. That's so
1: amazing. I've never heard that explanation before of living liturgically like that. I'm, I think that's a great insight for our audience. That's so incredible.
0: So from, from, I guess, from a practical standpoint, right. So I, uh, spent a lot of time on the Catholic schools council. I love our schools. Um, and so, uh, Right. That's a that's a big that's a big part of, of who I am. Right. Do you and feel then,
1: that your time, you know, and I mean, obviously, you felt closely connected because it's still your parish, it's still your community there. But your how your time at Cabrini formed your commitment to helping our school stay mission focused and Christ centered. Now,
0: absolutely right. Oh, for sure. Right. So to to have the blessing of being in in a K through twelve right Catholic and Catholic school environment, um, and, and being able to see the parish right um you know come to life it, there, there's definitely a, a passion for it right the, the benefits that i was able to get out of it so i obviously had right with my parents and how i described them the, the home life right but then it was also in how i learned right mm-hmm. every aspect of right every aspect of education was then centered around faith right um and so in and, and schools is the one area where we actually we're starting to do it in family of parishes, right? Which, which I think is a true blessing, mm-hmm. but the CYO and the Catholic league, like growing up playing sports, right? Mm-hmm. You'd walk into a different gym, you know, in grade school, you're playing against each other. And then in high school, sometimes, you know, they, you're on, they're now on the same team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I grew up in a, in, a, in a time where we became really good friends with the, the other players, the other, you know, folks in the Catholic league. And so I actually learned the diocese. I learned our church through sports, um, and so I love
1: that, that, <laughs> that re- I relate to that so well, growing up playing sports as a kid, like I could name every, uh, every school in the archdiocese or in our diocese at home because of playing against them <laughs> in sports. And to this day,
0: absolutely. You know, and it's, it's, it's incredible to be able to see what they were doing in the schools. Right. And so my love for schools, we, we are all on similar journey. We're all on the same journey. Right. And what they were experiencing in the classrooms, I was experiencing in the classrooms, and you realize it just became a factor of where, where, what territory in the diocese did you grow up in? Um, but the schools, right, were there for all of us, um, and it was definitely a very cherished time, and, and it's an important part of evangelization that we want to carry forward, you know, from generation to generation. Mm. You know, the the catechism teaches us, right, that we are called to carry forward. I mean, I think it's like the third, right? The third item in the catechism is that we're called to carry forward from generation to generation. And it's beautiful now. I mean, you go into a gym on a Saturday and you you get to see, um, you know, your friends that you were playing against, right? And they're now there and their kids are in Catholic schools around the diocese. And they may have started out downriver, but they now live in Plymouth or they moved to the east side. And we get to talk about Catholic schools and, and you get to see that that the what's happening with them. So sports played a, a huge mm-hmm. part in being able to see the importance of it, to know that, you know, one school isn't by itself, right? We're all every school throughout the diocese to make it accessible, mm-hmm. right, to Ooh. all of our, to all of our boys and girls, right? So that they can become men and women of virtue. Right. You no, know,
2: Eileen, um, the your labors with the Catholic school started to jump in. I just have to say it. Um we're we're blessed to talk at a time right now when enrollment is actually increasing in Catholic schools. And the archbishop, when he said that everybody who wants a Catholic education, I, I can't finish the quote, it would be a paraphrase that we should we somehow find a way. And for our parents out there that are like, gosh, that's a lot of money, or this or that. My intuition, my in my thought, and I'm gonna pitch it to you, Eileen, is like I would just encourage, like, just sit down with the pastor and talk. Just approach. What do you think, Eileen? To those that are weighing, like, that's a lot of money. And you know, the bills and this and that, but it's so fruitful. What do you think, what would you say to those that are weighing that option of like, do I make that investment for Catholic schools and, and those that feel like I just can't afford it?
0: Right. No. And, and it's, it's, you know, you, you have to have those conversations, right? The pastors, the principals, right at the schools, um, there are opportunities, there's scholarships coming out of the Michigan, you know, the, the Catholic, the Catholic foundation of Michigan, um, there's there scholarships programs running through the AOD. Right. And so, being able to um you know sit down with 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 pastors and principals and there's other families right so the 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 idea around school right is evangelizations for families right it's where Mm. we get to interact and and talk with each other right so you're not alone there's other families that you know how do you work your budget how do you work your family budget Mm. you know where where are you savings what are different things that you can do as a family right to help support you know the the cost of going through catholic education and you know that's that's where evangelization of families come in right it's the it's the opportunity to be able to do it, but it's also it's where good stewardship right comes in um, and being able to help each other in those aspects, so that you know we're serving we're all serving Christ together
1: beautiful. I it's what a great focus on our Catholic schools. We've just celebrated, you know, Mm -hmm. Catholic schools week and, um, feeling really inspired by that. So it's, I feel the timing, like father Patrick said, with enrollment going up and it's, it feels very providential to be having this conversation right Mm now. One thing that's really clear to me, Eileen is kind of, yeah. How tapped into the diocese you are, you are a true Mm -hmm. joyful missionary disciple of like the archdiocese of Detroit of Southeast Michigan. But you know, we learned from your, from your facts, your fun facts that you've also traveled all over the world. So I, just want to ask you and like truly a no a no pressure question you know in your own humble opinion right like how do you see you know the spirit working here in our archdiocese Mm -hmm. that you're excited about the the opportunities the mission focus anything And, and we're coming up on the five year anniversary of unleash the gospel so even in particular if anything that you know maybe you've seen in more recent times after spending your whole life here i would just love to hear your thoughts given how tapped into everything that's going on here you are
0: kind of going back to, right, the Church of God, right? The Church of Detroit is the local church, right? It, it has the fullness of Christ priesthood here, right? And, and, we, and we think about the church, right? I think typically, I'm going to say stereotypically, right? We think of the pastor and the Pope, right? Those are the two people that we see, right? But we don't necessarily think about the local church, right, as being the Christian faithful that we're called to serve. We're called to serve each other, Um, And so, looking at Family of Parishes, for example, right, to me, like, Unleash the Gospel tells us to be cooperative and innovative, Um, and this, you know, Family of Parishes kind of is the first step to be able to do that. I kind of view it as, right, so you're, you're on a block with a bunch of other families, and at some point in time, the kids get old enough that you tear down the fences and you start playing in the other kids' yards, right? And, you know, mom and dad call you home for dinner sometimes, and sometimes you eat dinner at the neighbors and not everybody needs a basketball court. Not everyone needs a swimming pool, but you work together, right. As a, you know, a true a like true, true
1: family, extended and, family group.
0: <laughs> exactly. Right. So that, that's what, you know, when you think about growing up on a block where, you know, there's, there's a bunch of, fa- you know, parish families and, and how do you play together to evangelize the rest of the block? Um, and so I'm very excited about the innovation, right, and, and the cooperation. That you know, this is this is you know one step in, in in looking at what unleash the gospel can really do.
2: Amen. Hey, Eileen, we love to ask people, what's what are what's a dream on your heart these days? Something you would love to see the Lord do? Maybe it's in in your life, your family, the church, uh, all three categories. Feel free to answer however you want. But some of the desires of your heart, the dreams, like Lord, I can't wait. For to see this
0: so from from a practical standpoint really right I think there's two two things that I would love to see us actually carry out more right in, in this part of evangelization mm-hmm. efforts right
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, First is I, I think of corporate works of mercy right and and burying the dead right it, is one that I think as, as a church we're, we're starting to lose, right. Um, and the idea of going to funerals mm. and being wow. with families, right? Um, when I was coaching, you know, if someone lost a grandparent, I'd have the whole team go. And quite often, it'd be the first time that, so, you know, some of these students were experiencing death, right? And and the fact that death is transitory, right? And it gives us mm. a chance to evangelize, of you know. the the role of salvation right and the fact that yeah death is happening because of the fall Mm -hmm. but it's christ's death and resurrection that allows this to be transitory right and Mm -hmm. that we will see who you know that person again Mm -hmm. and and how to be support for each other right when someone's going through you know the sorrow of losing someone Mm -hmm. because odds are that person reflected christ in their life Mm -hmm. right and so being able to be a support network for each other um, you know, is, is something I think that's extremely important, right? That that I'd love to, you know, to see us do more, um, you know, as a corporal work of mercy. Beautiful. Um, the other piece is is confession, right? Mm. I think you know, mm. I mean, and priests are very encouraging about going to confession, but I actually don't think we talk about going to mm. confession, and when you can actually have a really good conversation with someone about the the fruits, right, of confession or helping someone get over the hurdles that they have, right? And it's scary, right? I mean, like when you aren't used to going, and even when you are used to going, right? If there's something that's weighing on your heart, being able to get it out, you know, but but knowing that God's mercy is so deep, right? To get over the, the human fears, right? To be able to put your trust in the Lord. Um, you know, I think those two items um, are something very practical that we can do in our everyday that I think bring people closer.
2: I hope I'm not wrong. I think, and it's not everywhere and all the time, perhaps absolutely true, but I do think for all of our listeners that confession brings out the best in a priest because a priest knows he's in need of mercy too. And we're not there to judge people. Um, but Jesus has made a judgment that the people that are about to get absolved are worthy of his blood, worthy of his death. And so the measure with which we measure will be measured on to us. And I, I I think that confession, it's its a real tenderizer of the heart of a priest. So, Lord, bless anybody out there who's maybe a little scared about confession uh, to to experience that mercy. And bless all the priests to reflect the mercy of Jesus. What's up, Emily?
1: I was—I was, I was going to say flip side. To, thanks for that perspective, Father Patrick. Um, because to hear from priests always, like how they experience confession. Because I think for us, uh, us uh, lay people, it is like Eileen said, it can be intimidating, even if you go often. I've—I've I've been blessed to go in the habit of going fairly often, but it still can be really scary at times. So to know, like like you said, that it can bring out the best in a priest, and I would say and tenderize the hearts. I would say, can tenderize the hearts of people going. I think like confession for me is again, kind of, and this is like almost full circle of kind of what I said about St. Paul and grace earlier, but like, because it can be so intimidating, always realizing that like getting over that fear or mm. anything that's holding you back from going is the gift of grace that you're there. I love when priests are like, just like, thank you for being here. Thank you for making Amen. a confession or a good confession. And to recognize like, that is the gift. Of grace of your faith to then to get over that to go and to be reconciled with the Lord. That's my one of my favorite things. And thanks, Eileen, for sharing that because you know we're we're about to start Lent as well. It's a great time to go to confession. I'm gonna give a shout out to confessionsfinder.org uh, for the lay faithful in the archdiocese or priests too, if you want to find other confessions to go to from your brother priests. Um have to give that shout out. It's yeah. it is really a great time. Um and thank you also, Eileen, for the reminder mm. about corporal works of mercy. Burying the dead. Um, <sighs> One of those ones that, you know, maybe gets a little bit (laughs) left out. Mm -hmm. It's not not the ones that we think that we can go out and just do on a daily basis, but there is so much good in the mass of funerals and things like that. And like you said, kind of even in honoring your father's life with the reading that reflected Mm -hmm. his whole life, there's so much good there. And, um, I really appreciate the reminder of that, that, uh, sometimes overlooked one, I guess that we can all take with us moving forward. We are so, so Uh grateful for your time to share with us. I feel so inspired. By the life that you that you have lived in the Lord, mm-hmm. <laughs> from and the gift of your your faith, um, so we'd like to end with prayer. Would you mind kind of starting us out with prayer um, and just inviting the Holy Spirit for our listeners?
0: So as we're heading into Lent, it comes March, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day, St. So, <laughs> Patrick's Day, right? So March is a big month. I got my birthday, my first communion, my baptism, mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day. That's your month, right? Annunciation. Uh, wow. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on so irish um, exactly (laughs) so so i'm gonna invoke uh saint patrick's words of the great of his breastplate right Mm -hmm. um yeah right and so christ with me christ before me christ behind me christ in me christ beneath me christ above me christ on my right christ on my left christ when i lie down christ when i sit down christ when i arise Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me.
2: Father, we thank you for your beloved daughter, Eileen. She's a beautiful example of good old St. Catherine of Siena's quote, become who you're meant to be and you'll set the world on fire. She's setting it on fire. We ask for more for her and all of our listeners, God, that will live passionately engaged with Jesus Christ and unleash the power of the gospel everywhere we go. Emily, you want to add anything?
1: Lord, we give you thanks for this great gift of being on the podcast again. Give you thanks for our listeners. um, And just the way that you are able to work here in the Archdiocese of Detroit, we give you thanks ahead of time for all the good that will come from Eileen's example and from the people who (sighs) will go out and live their lives with Christ all around them uh, moving forward after this day.
2: Big old blessings on everybody in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you
1: for listening to another episode of Open Door Policy, where we hear stories of different joyful missionary disciples in Southeast Michigan and how they encounter, grow, and witness in their love for Christ. You can find more episodes at UnleashTheGospel.org forward slash podcast, or find us on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. See you next time.